You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to the Morning Update Show, Grand Rising, and good morning to you all. I'm your co-host, Trey Holiday. We want to welcome you to a warm Wednesday here. It looks like the sun is peeking through the clouds, but of course, we got some heavy news and some great guests in the building today. Always great to be back in studio with my co-host with the most, Big O. What's up, Big O? Treyana, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. You know, like when you said, it's it's definitely it's a sense of happiness here locally, and of course, nationally, um, in the present today, and even when we look back, you know, two years ago, um, and so we we got a bunch of things to cover here today. Did did you also do want to make an update? Oh we, yes, we've got the slide here. We'll put up. Yes, thank you. Uh, I just want to send a huge uh, thank you to everybody who's been uh, sending in tips, asking questions about Navea uh, Hampton, my niece who is missing. We just appreciate it all. We've been seeing a real outpouring of love. We have no specific updates other than she was seen yesterday at Washington Middle School right here in the Central District of Seattle. Um, and then when, when folks went to go get her, she was gone. She had fled the building. Um, so if you guys uh, know her, if you know young folks out there, you know people that know her, maybe she's trying to stay at friend's house and you know get meals from friends or other family, You know, please let us know. Um, because obviously we're, you know, my family, just our hearts are heavy right now. Oh, for sure. Right. And just want to reinforce as well is that uh, she's not a student at Washington Middle School. So like somebody sees it like, oh, sorry, school It's not a student at Washington Middle School. It actually lives in the city of Federal Way. Correct. Correct. Right. Put this slide back up real quick. So And so you can also find this updated information here on on uh, on our Facebook and or asking people if you have information please call the federal way police department and the case numbers right there case numbers have been updated on our facebook page as well thank you so much i really appreciate the converge family for putting that notice out there yesterday it's been a whirlwind but um i'm, I'm telling you uh, you really see the the resilience of our community when we have to come together like this i just really want to send some real love to all of you for all the love you're showing us Right. Yeah, no, that's probably one of the most shared posts that we've had in, in maybe years that's been up there. So community's trying to do their part um, and get the word out. All right. We're, we're joined today. We're going to be joined today as well by Brian Callanan. Brian Callanan, uh, over from the Seattle Channel and also Seattle News, Views and Brews. You can check out here tonight at 7 p.m. And Deontay Damper. Deontay Damper's in the building. His show premieres tonight. We live in color. So excited about that one as well. Ready? Yeah. Here we go. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Morning Update show. My name is Omari Salisbury. I want to remind you that right now is the perfect opportunity for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead and tag and share the stream with people you feel would appreciate culturally relevant news and information emanating from right here in the Emerald City. Want to give a big shout out to our partners over at the South Seattle Emerald and also KBCS 91.3 over at Bellevue College. Remind everybody that you can listen to the Morning Update show anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. And that's SoundCloud, that's Spotify, Google, iTunes. All you have to do is search Converge Media Network. Um. Time in the show right now. Want to make everybody aware, especially those out there who might be vaccine hesitant or those that are looking for um, resources around the vaccine boosters and testing. 
go to hereforuswa.org, hereforuswa.org, culturally curated information for our community. Um, we usually got a, a few more things to say at this part of the show, but we got a full show today, and it's, it's heavy. So we're going to get right into it. I think most people uh, here nationally um, got saw this news coming out of Texas yesterday. I think it's, it's 19 children dead and two teachers. Uvalde, Texas, right outside of San Antonio. Um, we got a clip right here from CBS Mornings. It has happened again, another difficult day for America as we struggle yet again with another senseless act of gun violence in this country. We're going to take you right to Texas, where many parents spent the night waiting for word on whether their children survived. Just put yourself in those parents' shoes for just a second. You're waiting all night to learn if your child survived after you dropped them off at school. Why? Because a heavily armed 18-year-old male burst through the doors of an elementary school in Uvalde. Tony is there. Tony, I, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be there on the scene. I know I couldn't sleep last night because I knew we'd be sitting here again reporting on this story one more time, and I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired telling this type of story. Gail, I'm with you 100%. Just listen to the words we're using this morning. 19 dead children in the school behind me, and that is the second worst school shooting in American history. The second. Uvalde, for people who don't know, is a small city. It's 15,000 people. It's self-described as the Texas of Westerns, a pretty town, a close-knit town. And now another map, another pin on the map, rather, of American gun violence. And this is that rare kind of morning, guys. It's a, it's a day when I don't look forward to the start of our show, and here's why. According to police, just after recess is when it happened, peach slices, ham sandwiches, waiting on the school lunch menu. And that's when 18-year-old Salvador Ramos walked into Robb Elementary School and started going classroom to classroom, shooting students and teachers. He was armed with an AR-15 style rifle, also had high capacity magazines with him, according to police. Weapons, by the way, that he bought legally this very month on his 18th birthday. Teachers took heroic actions, sheltering students, locking doors. Police also responded with heroism, with courage, firing on and ultimately killing the gunman. But not before he carried out the deadliest school shooting in America since that last one, the Sandy Hook massacre, the one that made us all say never again. And now here we are again, at least 21 dead, 19 of them elementary school aged children. Parents, as you mentioned, rushed to the school yesterday, but were turned away, told to gather at a nearby civic center where they waited on news on whether their child survived, waited on the results in some cases of DNA samples that would confirm whether their child was among the 19 children lost. President Biden addressed the nation last night, taking all this in, calling on Congress to turn our national sorrow into action. And how many scores of little children who witnessed what happened see their friends die as if they're on a battlefield, for God's sake? Where in God's name is our backbone? to have the courage to deal with it and stand up to the lobbies. Man, oh man, you know, this is uh, heavy news indeed. I mean, anytime we hear about these school shootings, uh, the fact that they have become a real fabric of American culture is a tragedy uh, and a real travesty. Um, we talk about a lot of different ways. How do you prevent something like this? How do you get to that young man 
before he decides to create this kind of terror in the community? How do you reach someone like that who is, you know, hell bent on causing trauma and devastation and murder? I mean, of course, it's going to get political. Oh, we're going to see so much fallout from this. Yeah, but, you know, I said we ought to to just be shame on ourselves as a country. This this don't happen nowhere else on Earth. I've been to over 60 countries. I'm going to tell you, it's something unique to us here in our country. It's something unique. This violence, you know, and and whether on the individual level or the mass level, man, this violence. And even here, you know, we we, we see it here um, locally. There's so many guns that are on the street that, that are easily accessible and proliferate that even... Running the mill arguments. There was just an argument a few years ago. Somebody's getting shot, you know, and these are people just buying guns randomly, just just picking up guns all the way to this 18 years old by the AR-15 on his birthday. Of all the things to buy, you know, and once again, as a country, we're going to say. Thoughts and prayers, we're going to say our hearts go out. We're going to say, but it isn't until you're impacted by this violence directly. It isn't until you're a victim of this violence that, you you know, you're, you really want to make a change and see a change. And there's, man, there's a lot of people in America who consider these young people collateral damage. You thought that after Sandy Hook, that it'd be like, man, there's no way something like this could ever happen again. But it's like as a country... Damn, anything goes. Anything. And unfortunately, what's going to come out of this is nothing. This is exactly why I think so many people, one of the things I was uh, hearing on the radio this morning was how these kinds of occurrences and tragedies that happen in our country really um, make people lose even more faith in the political system. And, you know, you know, folks say, well, how do we deal with something like this? Is this something, you know, the federal government, you see President Biden there addressing this situation and calling for more gun control. Um, You also have people who are, you know, for guns are saying, of course, you're going to use this as a way to control guns. But there's got to be something that's got to be done. It can't just always be this back and forth in the political sphere because people are losing their lives, period. The fact that it gets stuck in that cycle of, you know, left and right and far left and far right. And look, at the end of the day, guns are way too accessible here in this country. You got an 18 year old who just gets to pick up a gun same month that he decides to go to an elementary school and kill a bunch of students. This is something that you got to start saying, Okay, wait a minute. Maybe we need to be thinking about things differently. Unfortunately, it gets stuck in this back and forth battle. And you're right. Oh, nothing comes out of it. Yeah. And, you know, as as a country. Clearly, there's not enough will or momentum like all these people. It's just, like I said, it's collateral damage. This is Texas. Remember, we talked about the story with Governor, Governor Abbott. They passed a law there that said that you could carry a firearm. You don't need no training. You don't need anything to be able to get a firearm. 
you know, and then they're down there saying that um, that if more citizens carry guns, then they might have been able to stop this guy. Texas has more guns than any state in America. And this still happened. So um, it's an opportunity for, for us as a country to look inward again and see what we're going to do. But, you know, it's, it's crazy that it takes something catastrophic that, that really hits people across all kinds of levels for us to take action. The only last thing I can think about where our government took action that impacted our whole society was 9-11. And you saw here comes Homeland Security. Here comes screening. Here comes this. Here comes that. Because of that, the, the impact maybe that nationally people felt we've been attacked. Well, we're being attacked every day internally. So internally my and my thing too is is how many more opportunities do we need to look inward how many more uh you know you're talking about you know folks who do it for radical reasons racist reasons any reason to just be out there what are we how many more of these do we need before something is really done to literally eliminate this from it becoming a norm for us Unfortunately, the conversation will continue. Um, We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we have Brian Callanan from the Seattle Channel. There he is. Brian Callanan, also the host of Seattle News, Views, and Brews. Check out tonight at 7 o'clock here on Converge. Then after Brian, we got back in the time machine. I saw that that clip earlier there was mislabeled from back uh, May 26, 2020. But as we go back, you know, it's two years ago today the murder of George Floyd. And so we're going to have Brian up next. And after that, we're going to talk about George Floyd. You're watching the Morning Update show. Hey, guys, Lisa Gordon here. And before heading to Belize, Trey Holiday and I had to make sure we linked up with our good friends over at Market Street Shoes to, of course, grab a few things for the trip. From bags to socks, shoes, sunglasses, earrings, and more. Before going on any trip, make sure you stop at Market Street Shoes. Trust me, you'll find just what you need to make your trip not only enjoyable, but fashionable. When the pandemic hit, it did affect me. As a barber, I had my own personal reasons why I didn't get vaccinated. At the time, I didn't check the actual source. I thought the vaccine was developed too fast, but I was talking to a doctor and he was telling me more about the vaccine and what it can do to protect us and our family. I wanted to get back to that once was, right? I do feel safe knowing that I am vaccinated. I just hope what I'm saying is reaching into people's heads to know that this is the best decision for all of us. All right. Welcome back to the Morning Update show. Join now on the set. Brian Callanan, host of, well, host from the, over the Seattle channel, but also yeah. co-host Seattle News, Views, and Brews right here on Converge. What's yep. going on? Oh, a lot of stuff's going on. We're covering a lot of stuff with the Seattle City Council this week. Me and David Croman, uh, the co-host I work with who reports for the Seattle Times. Uh, there's one, well, there's three big issues I'd love to cover with you. One of them is talking about the pay up legislation. This covers gig workers. There's 40,000 of them in the Seattle area. And the Seattle uh, City Council was working on this just yesterday in a committee meeting. It passed out of committee. So it looks like it's going to go to a full vote of the council. But there were 14 amendments going along with it. And there's a lot of different work right now. And I think we've seen it, Omari, actually play out over the social media airwaves or whatever else. You had Councilmember Herbold who was going out there saying, hey, 
She put an open letter in the stranger about this. DoorDash customers, make sure you're supporting this. Then you had DoorDash going out and sending out messages to their customers saying, hey, if this passes, this is going to end up raising all your rates that you use to get food delivered to you. So I think there's a big battle still going on with this. Again, the full council is set to vote on this next week. But this is one of those issues that affects so many people. I said 40,000 people out there actually are involved with this service in terms of driving around and then countless tens of thousands on top of that who actually use the service. Real quick, is the city talking about reducing some of the regulatory fees and taxes on these services? Mm. Are they are they trying to compromise at all? Uh, that's a good question. I think the compromise might come on uh, how this is implemented in terms of the time frame that's involved here, because what they're talking about is maybe trying this out, seeing what happens over the first six months of it. If it turns into a situation where employees aren't getting paid or whatever else, the city's going to try to investigate that. Um, there's also some pushback with the possibility of pulling out the marketplace network companies. Those are things like TaskRabbit, where you get some office work done for your rover, where you get your dog walked for you, whatever else. So the council's actually talking about, at least some members of the council are talking about pulling those out of the mix here so they can study this a little further. I, I think the big concern with this, uh, Omari, is that Seattle will be the first city in the country to do something like this. Would it involve some uh, extra extra costs for these app companies? It absolutely would. The question now is how are they going to pass that along to the customer potentially? And, and that is definitely a concern. Well, we're a bellwether city and a bellwether yeah. state. Yeah, yeah, well, for what sure. What else you got for us? I wanted to also talk about what was happening with the uh, Seattle police. Now, we've been talking about this issue a lot over the past couple of weeks here, but there's something interesting that the council was looking at in its meeting for Public Safety Committee yesterday, and this was specifically how to investigate public complaints that specifically name the chief of police. As it turns out, the city of Seattle does not have a good system for this. So there's been a lot of concern over this. And the mayor's office is actually leading the charge on this. They actually brought in some of the legislation for the council to look at and potentially approve here. But they're really concerned about some of the big issues we've been talking about, Omari. One of them is uh, in regard to the Proud Boys ruse. What happened there? Why wasn't that fully figured out? Uh, what happened with uh, the chief perhaps misleading people about what happened with that Proud Boys ruse? And also, uh, just looking back a little further, we talk about the anniversary of George George Floyd's murder. We talked about some of the protests that happened a couple years ago and why were Seattle police using tear gas when the uh, Seattle City Council banned it. So what I think is going to happen here is there's going to be a better system in place. So if the chief of police is specifically named, I know it sounds like a minor detail, but it's kind of important. It's trying to get people on the record so that we understand some of these big questions we have out of those protests that I don't know if we're ever answered. It's a concern. Let's be clear. If the Seattle Police Department and Mayor Harrell's administration and the police oversight ecosystem really want to, I mean, look, look at this. So this, this Proud Boy hoax, hmm. you know, 14 months investigating it over here. Yeah. And then that investigation leads to finding out that OPA fell short on their investigation because yeah. they never talked to the EOC, mm -hmm. the Emergency Operations Center. OPA is saying that the EOC is out of their purview. And instead of anybody over there in the in city hall, be it the mayor or the city council being like, well, you know what? We need to know what happened because yeah. not only were, were the, the protesters hoax, other city agencies went on alert. Yeah. You, you, you had SDOT and the Parks Department and everything else, but people let it die.
and they let it die over there. And this, this is the Seattle method. Oh, we're going to talk about it. But talking about something isn't the same as actually fixing it and anything else. Yep. And I'm just saying, I put on the record, it's a big disappointment in that ecosystem because nobody's pushing the line to say what happened in the EOC that day. And when we talk to people individually, they're all like, yeah, man, the police were over here saying this, 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 mm-hmm. that, everything. But no, nobody, there's no mechanism yeah. to take that investigation any further. Yeah, I, I think that's what the city council is trying to go down the path of here is trying to set up some sort of mechanism so that the people who need to be answering those questions are answering them. So we'll see how that pans out. I know it's a frustrating topic to talk about, but it looks like the council is engaging on this. I wanted to make sure I pointed out this isn't something in response to anything specific that Interim Chief Diaz has done. This is kind of looking at some of the, the past issues here. But I did want to bring up uh, one final piece in terms of what we're working Working on with the podcast tonight. And this is in regard to changing the narrative around homelessness. Mayor Harrell is very intent on trying to do this. And I looked a little more closely at a press conference he had last week at Woodland Park, where the city of Seattle ended up clearing out more than 80 people and an encampment there, a very large encampment there. He's really trying to change the narrative on what this is all about. Didn't call it a sweep, called it a clearing out. And I wanted you to listen to what he had to say here. Today is not a victory lap. It's far from it. What it is, is a, it's a narrative that this is the Seattle we will build, leading with compassion, housing people, getting them the treatment. Now, a lot of things said there, uh, the mayor saying this is not a victory lap in terms of the actual people who were housed out of this uh, out of this operation. But he is really trying to change this narrative here, uh, Omari. And I thought it was very interesting. I think a lot of people use that word sweep. It definitely has some pejorative sides to it. But I think he's trying to change it into something where if enough outreach is happening, as happened in this case, four months worth of outreach at Woodland Park, if enough of that outreach happens, can you change that narrative such that people are actually getting into shelter and getting into housing? There's been some critique of what happened here in that only four people went to permanent supportive housing out of the 80 that were placed shelter options for a lot of them there. A number of them did go into tiny home villages, we understand here, but it's this whole idea of trying a different approach, this approach of maybe looking at these encampments for a matter of months and trying to make some placements that way. And uh, it's something the mayor is trying to do. Will he be successful with it is still the big question. All right. So when you do a press conference and you got all your officials behind you, that's kind of a victory lap. You could you could definitely look at it that way. I mean, he's certainly drawing attention to it. Uh, You know, I mean, so I'm just saying it's fine. People people change things. They change, you know, what things are called. If it's the sweep, if it's this, if it's that. Yeah. Um, I mean, one, I would say if positive things are happening in the homelessness space, Mm -hmm. then, you know, I'm saying we should acknowledge that. Yeah. But um yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, there. no, I, I was going to say the the definitely some positives to draw from that. But I think something that I drew from it, too, was the reason that this worked or had any of uh, any effect really is that uh, there are actually spaces for folks. So specific spaces directed to that actual outreach that uh, went on at, at Woodland Park. Shelter spaces is what I'm talking about. So when those services and those uh, spaces for, for people to, to sleep and live, when those services are reallocated, that's great. But when you don't have those spaces, when you don't have those services, I, I think that's the big challenge for the city here too. Yeah, and I, I saw it was Director Dones was there, right? Yes. I mean, and this is the thing is as well, is that the, the, the influx continues into the city. Yeah. Like if... If the home, if the unhoused and homeless population of people in Seattle, mm-hmm. and if people stopped coming here, yeah, 
five years ago for you, we right. wouldn't have a homeless issue yeah, at you're all. Right. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's an influx that's in here. Um, what are they talking? Did the mayor say anything about what, what's next in his, his strategy? In, term, in terms of what's next, I think it's it's trying to de- determine where the next, um, I guess, where the next encampment they're going to target. Uh, and I, I did want to come back to one issue that I think we discussed earlier, and this was interesting. When the city actually announced that they were going to have this specific focus on Woodland Park, that encampment there actually grew which sounds a little counterintuitive, but a lot more people were coming to that spot actually looking for services. The city is spinning that and trying to spin that at least in a positive way that more people are looking for services there, which is a good thing, kind of gets rid of that myth that people don't want help on the streets or whatever else. I think they're trying to dispel that myth in some ways. But at the same time, it, it does come back to a space issue for me and how many people you're actually going to be able to house out of these type of operations. Yeah, and I think just anybody who, who would just look at an issue of homelessness and say something like these people must not want help. It's just ignorant. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, very complex issue. Of course. Appreciate you hitting on these things, man. Tell everybody how they can keep up with you. Well, make sure you check out the show right here on Converge seven o'clock tonight. Very glad to be with David Croman doing that. And also hit me up at Callanan Seattle on Twitter. Always like to get the feedback there. And it's always great to be with you, Omari. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time this yeah, morning, Brian. You got it. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, Trey Holiday comes back to the set and we talk about the two year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd. You're watching the Morning Update show. As a non-binary black femme, a lot of my identity is rooted in body. Once the vaccine was introduced, it was really difficult to think in terms of safety as well as autonomy. As a black American, the relationship with government is very complicated. It's hard to trust. A lot of these conspiracies are really impacting people making a decision, especially with black folks, to be clear about what we're doing. I think it's just a well-rounded conversation to see what's best for us. All right, welcome back to the morning update show. Um, man, two years ago, two years ago today, Minneapolis, George Floyd murdered in real time for the world to see. Um, and you know, the morning morning update show was was already on the air. We're at Studio B. I still miss that set. A Studio B, and. This is a real interesting episode. I might see how we could replay it on the whole thing, because in that whole episode, and this is actually from from the 26th, from from uh, two years ago, early in that same episode, we played bird watching while black. Because remember, that's what came out. The guy's just trying to do bird watching. And the woman's like, oh, you know, this black guy's here and this and that and got on the phone and everything else. And we had also talked about Ahmaud Arbery and also in that same episode, a sweep happened right over there across from, from our uh, studio on Jackson street. But um, we got it. We got a clip here. It's about two minutes long. This is how we originally covered the initial news that we had coming out of Minneapolis, Minnesota back in 2020 on the morning update show. Our last clip here in the national segment, I'll be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? If, if seen, um, abuse at the hands of the police is a trigger for you. You don't want to watch this clip here. We pulled this off this morning. It's from um, a a clip of a Minneapolis police officer who has his foot on a suspect's neck and he's keeping the suspect to the ground. The suspect keeps saying, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. 
And near the end of this clip right here, you'll even hear him calling for his mom. He's mama, mama. And uh, the, the gentleman here on this tape uh, ultimately died. He, he couldn't breathe. Uh, it's a lot more details, of course, to come out about everything. But like I said, it, I wanted to explain it to you in case, you know, some people in our in our viewing audience, man, they've been through a lot and seeing video like that traumatize them. It's about 40 seconds long and we'll play the video right now. yeah i mean uh, you know my, i know my timeline this morning was flooded you know with this video and and all this and it's man i mean uh, sometimes it's just it's the lack of humanity and regard that that is man it's just Forty black people. It really goes you know? back to the mindset of thinking that we are animals, and it really does. It goes back to that. We see it in multiple formats in this country. We talked about it um, in terms of the healthcare system. You know, black women can endure more pain than white women, so there are large disparities around uh, birth, birthing children, and what that looks like for a black woman versus a white woman. We're seeing here that here he is the the man's knee was so far on his neck that it was almost as if his knee was just hitting the ground. I mean, he was pressing down. And then there's people literally there saying, come on, man, let the man breathe. My thing is, is what are these officers thinking in that moment? How are they thinking that I'm still uh, appending a suspect who is, I, I'm fear of my life. What are you thinking right then? The man is not going to do anything if you lift your leg up a little bit to let the man breathe. Uh, this is really, this is going beyond uh, policing the streets. That is straight up predatory practices right there. Oh. Yeah, I am, uh, I'm sure a lot more is going to come out about this case. But man, you know, it's to take the wind out yourself. That's why we had to put some extra, some extra good stuff in our, in our uh, Melanin Magic, man, our last segment of the show. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. It's all about everything great and fantastic and beautiful about being black. You're watching the Morning Update show. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> um, it's still difficult to see. It's still difficult to watch. And you're talking about two years later. We just went through so much in terms of, you know, a lot of hope that was resounding um, in black communities and beyond because we were like, man, after this, come on, it's got to be apparent that there's real anti-blackness here. There's real black hatred here. There's real, it's, it's deep. It was in that one police officer, but we've seen it 
so many times, massive amounts of times. We're talking about a school shooting. Was last week, week before, we're talking about a shooting in Buffalo, targeting Black people. Violence in general, man, is something that I think news stations buzz around all over this country. And Omari, you said it earlier, nowhere else in the country, in the world, do we experience this level or see this level of violence. We are here now two years later, still pressing for the same measures of equity that George Floyd's murder shook the world up to understand it was necessary, it was needed. Yeah. And, you know, looking at that, man, you know, a, a lot, even just starting with that, sh- with our show. And I left that break in there. I left the plate it all the way to the break. Before the murder of George Floyd, the morning update show was something so special. It was it was something so special. You know, we end the show. Here's our melanin magic. We end every show and everything else. And you know, I, I guess it. You know, we we had to pivot in a show that that was really like a morning cup of coffee with our community then became a news platform for a while to the world. And I just, rem- I remember I was like, I knew that I was going to be in the streets. And you just could not see that and sit at home. You couldn't see it and do nothing. And it was just like, man, Am I going to be in the streets with a sign or am I going to be in the streets as a journalist and try to tell this story? And we did our level best to be out there to report and to. And you look and it's two years later, you know, it's crazy. All the white media be calling me because they're like, yo, what's, what's different now? It's two years later, it's this and that. And I'm like, first of all, man, you do your damn job. Why don't you tell me what's different? You know what I'm saying? Uh, but when, when, I mean, and for one, in this city, if we just talk about our city, that it it's news cycle, you know? Black lives, it's, it's not a switch. Our value isn't a switch to be turned on and turned off during the news cycle. Today, supposedly, President Biden's going to try to sign an executive order, you know, uh, telling people they should reduce no-knock warrants and chokeholds and, uh, you know, a few other things with policing. But it's like when we, when we look at our city two years later, and this is, this is the thing that going going into to the murder of George Floyd and coming out of the murder of George Floyd before George Floyd was murdered. We said it was three things here in Seattle that we always talked about the income gap between white people and black people, 
the, the, the loss of home ownership, which means the reduction of generational wealth and the education gap between our children here and in the Seattle public school system. So now, two years later, after a lot of performative moves, some, some money that's out there is maybe somewhere, you know what I'm saying? And money is never really the answer. I mean, it helps, but you know, it has to go along with policy. Two years later, the income gap between blacks and whites is even wider. Two years later, we own less homes. Two years later, they're doing something over there, Seattle Public Schools, and figuring out, you know, clearly impacted by COVID and things like that. And so when people ask me what's different two years later, a lot of white people, white media, everything, think all black people's problems or issues is tied in with the police. So they're like, well, if the police were better, man, black people must be better off. And that allows people to glaze over the larger issues that impact us and impact our community as well. But I would say that it's like, you know, clearly the murder of George Floyd. I mean, it, it changed us as a company as well. And, you know, all we ever wanted to do was just make uplifting programming about black people. And when the city needed us, though, we rose to the occasion and black media was there. And, uh, you know, and uh, I look forward to getting back to just telling stories about our community. You know, that was a fun show back in the day, Trey. <laughs> we had good times. We had good times indeed. And even uh, be, though we were there because of the <laughs> the pandemic, uh, it, which wasn't, you know, we were talking about black folks dying too because of COVID. I mean, we were dealing with a lot of heavy stuff, but there, the way that we packaged it and the way that we were just being so sincere still to this day, staying in that same sincerity. Um, I think about all of this work that we do as black folks. And um, I really appreciate what Twana Noble said around having the audacity because I sit in front of this wall and I think about the living conditions of black people back then and how they had to come together in order to make it through, you know, this collectivity, this resilience, this strength of black people is something that always gives me joy and brings joy and adds joy to my world, right? Because I know we come from such resilience. And as I deal with things, even being transparent with this audience here with my family, you know, and my niece, and I think, oh my gosh, you know, how resilient do we have to continue to be? <laughs> You know, we deal with so many different things and it is a like a whole litany of things. And I'm grateful because spiritually being sound and being grounded is so key to that. But I know many of us struggle with that. And I think about something like two years later, we're still talking about the same gaps that really we've been talking about since day one that the community has been talking about. The fact that we have to constantly press for these incremental changes in this country, in this state, in this city, 
is beyond me. I, I, I don't even know what the answer is. Oh, but it's one of those things where it's like, as you said, if we take our foot even a little bit off the gas, we end up losing so much more. So we just have to constantly have our foot on the gas. And what does that mean to us? What kind of toll do we take? Because we always have to have our foot on the damn gas. What toll do we take? Because we have to do that. People don't even realize that it's a lot because we are black people fighting for black liberation constantly just to be equal, just to be equitable, to be seen, to matter. You know, <clears throat> we live in a city, <clears throat> excuse me, we live in a city where really the majority of the population, they have the luxury to decide for them when there's value in black lives and when there's not. And we see that in our city to show up, be real, when, when people feel that around certain situations, there's a value of black life. I'm from the Central District of Seattle. All these black lives matter. And I'll tell you this, Seattle, two years after the murder of George Floyd, if you show up for black people is only when the police kill black people. Take that Black Lives Matter sign out your yard. You know where you need to be showing up as well? You need to be showing up there to your HR department to make sure that they're hiring black folks. You need you need to stop being part of, of this massive displacement here. You know, the same people pushing black folks out the Central District go and they put a Black Lives Matter sign up. You know, how how much do black lives really matter to you? How much value is it in black lives? You can impact black people in a positive way in this city on your every day, if you were intentional about that same sign that you put in your yard. So that's great. I'm glad people took to the streets. I'm glad people called their, their, their council member all the way up to the governor. But man, what the everyday things as well that still impact our community. Y'all quiet. Y'all quiet. Because you got the luxury of being like, well, this black life might matter. That black life might not. And one thing I'll say in retrospect in two years after the murder of George Floyd is that like, unfortunately, a lot of stuff just hasn't changed. You know, we sell a lot of performative stuff. Man, they got to give out some acting awards in this city. We saw a lot of people performing. So anyways, Trey, you know, um, I'm just I'd say this, that I'm thankful. I'm grateful. You know, we're still here. And it's always good to remind people that we were here before the protests reporting on our community. We were doing this even before we had cameras reporting on our community. And one way or another, we're going to continue to report on our community. It's so important that we do that. And, you know, as I talk about resilience, it, it is the one thing for me. It is I know our, our community needs it. Our community needs this platform to uplift their stories, to uplift their brilliance, their beauty. That is one of those things that will constantly keep my wheels turning up. Yeah, I hear you. 
I know one thing for sure, you know, is that uh, I'm just happy to be returning deep into um, our core mission here, which was to create programming and to uplift content creators, you know, to, to share the black experience here in Seattle and across the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, we continue to stay rooted in that mission. And speaking of that, this is good because, you know, Deontay always clears the air one way, one way or another. We, we, need, we need some air freshener in here, so to speak. We're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, there he is, Deontay Damper. Man, host, brand new show, Trey. We live in color. We're watching the Morning Update show. All right. Welcome back to the Morning Update show. Join now by, I mean, I, I got so many descriptions for you, but we'll, we'll stick to the one there on screen. Host Converge Media's new show, We Live in Color, hosted by you, Deontay Damper. Deontay, welcome. Deontay South and Damper. I'm going to be the first oh, person from the South and the Seattle to be hosting a show on Converge. Oh, so let's give my, it a Oh, minute. my goodness. <laughs> See? Converge, we believe in diversity. <laughs> Man, all right. Well, well, you fortunately for you, you've been underneath these lights here a few times. Absolutely. And and you know, as a guest, so next time people see you, they're gonna see you as a host. Yeah, host. And honestly, I have to thank you. You know, we've been talking about this for for years on how do we start bridging in the gap and talking about the whole diaspora of community. Um, and you've always made sure throughout the years, and we're not talking about during the pride events, we're talking about what, when it comes down to advocating for our trans, trans brothers, sisters, and non-binary people in community. Oh, I would like to learn more about that. But now we have a safe space for all the community from the LGBTQIA that are black, um, and other, uh, allies to come to. So I'm excited. No, I'm, I'm, ex I'm excited too. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, we, we've always been big supporters. You know what I'm saying of of the community, the larger community as a whole, and the the microchasms of it. And I'm glad that you brought that up, though, is that this has been years in the making. Yeah. You know, it, it's another show, proof, proof, the truth for proof. It's three years, yeah. And this way, with you, is over two years yeah. in getting here. And people might not, might think that it's like, oh yeah, we're just gonna do years no, getting this here. Is years, years, years in it. Literally during the thick of it, she reached out. Was like, hey, let's start working on this. The capacity, even calligraphy was like, hey, there needs to be this. When are people going to start showing up for this diaspora of community? So I definitely thank you, Proof and Eric um, within that space, because y'all were all trying to figure out how can we create this space. So I'm just really excited to start this tonight. So. All right. So good stuff. So tell us, what is this show all about? OK, so when we talk about the community. Uh, for the LG, Black LGBTQIA community. We're usually around, you see us during the Pride events or when grants are being made. No, we live in color. We want to give them a plat our community members a platform to start, start speaking their truths. There's a lot of people that are community caseworkers. There's organizations like Taking Black Pride, Lavender Rights Project, and um, other community advocates like Aaron Acefa, who, um, if he wins his election for the 37th district, he'll be the first openly positive person to win. But we want to see how they live in color. How can we support them in this space? Because when we talk about the diaspora, we only are inclu included during the performative stuff. So that stops today. And you talk about perform, yeah, it'd be really extra, extra performative right. in, in that community. Right. And you know what's what's interesting is that I think that 
this will also be a space on the uplift. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's so many. You know, I mean, I've I've had the opportunity even here in Converge. We've we've had we've we've had a uh, um, a producer and a director who's in the trans community. Yeah, We're, that's just so that. But you know, to be honest with you, that's like the last thing that I actually, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. You're like, hey, I just want to let you know something. Oh, that's it. I thought you were gonna tell me you deleted the SD card or something. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's like, and so I think it's also important that it, you know, that people aren't just drawn down to to an orientation yeah. and and reduce and i guess that's what you're saying it's like we live in color we're not just you can't just draw us down to you know an orientation or a pronoun or something like we out here living we have integrity over pride we are out here as community caseworkers communities sometimes use our li- utilize our lived experience but don't know how to actually advocate for us and um, this will be a teachable moment for all community members, um, including even in my own. Um, I think that it's really important for us to start bridging that gap. And tonight they'll they'll get to see a little bit a little bit more about that. And I would love to. I know I didn't ask, but I want to invite you to my first show. I want to talk to you, oh, just a little bit on how this can come together. I um, mean, what that would look like. Is that okay? So you want me on there tonight? Yeah, I want you on there today. I mean. Hey. All right. So here's here's what I'm gonna tell you. Okay. Is this fortunately for your programming, the Mariners play today at 110. Okay. So it's a day game. So okay. <laughs> oh, we still have a Mariners team? Uh, I didn't oh, know that. See, now here we go. See, this is why I mean, we don't saying. that's why don't nobody from the South ain't got no show on convert. Look, <laughs> you violated all the rules. Y'all started off good though, but it kind of uh, started doing the Harlem shake a little bit. That it's it's okay, you know. That's what commitment looks like, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm born a Mariners fan. I'm a die Mariners fan. All right, you know, committed to is it. Is Jay Buter still playing? Oh my God! That's how long see, I was a Mariners. This, this is when we go to commercial breaks. Okay. You start talking like that. Um, so this is a 30 minute show, right? Yes, 30 minute show. So you know, if if you're gonna have me on here tonight, I think that is it. Good? Salman, are we gonna be okay tonight if we go over 30 minutes, Mister Director? We we just uh, might, okay. you know. I I, I just I got a feeling we might go a little yeah. longer. We got some announcements to make. There's some community events mm-hmm. um, and encourage community members while watching not only Converge, but also We Live in Color, Proof Show, The Factor with, with the Twins. Like, make sure you're reaching out to us to let, you, let us know about the community events. We want to come support, show up, especially for my LGBTQIA community members. We know they're about to pride us out, but we want to make sure we're showing up here at Converge. This is interesting. I'm I'm gonna leave this further discussion for tonight since we're since we're gonna be okay. to, to, together, it looks like, yeah. which is good for me. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for the opportunity. Um what I learned last year mm-hmm. at taking black uh pride and was was really introduced to a whole community. And man, that was a dope. Absolutely. But by the the way, I mean, you know, converse sometimes, you know, we put ourselves out there, man. And what we saw, me and Trey Holiday, it was an emotional show, man. We saw these guys getting death threats on national news and everything. And a lot of people, organizations came out to say this is wrong, but a lot of media didn't just say this is wrong. Mm -hmm. And And they were missing, I think they were missing the point. They were missing the point. Even our community members were missing yeah. the point. 
It's like, stop saying you're just going to be there in the performative way. And it, and that also came, it wasn't just towards white Republicans in our community or hetero community members. There is discrimination in the LGBTQIA community member, uh, community where white, some white LGBTQIA community members needs to be held accountable for. I won't say your name, but you know who you are. And we'll oh. talk about that on a later show. Oh, snap. I, I will say this, right? And I mean, it's it's always an opportunity to to uplift uh, my brother Hiram. You know, he, he passed away in 2005. That's crazy because, you know, they say that. Um, and I always get emotional when I talk about my brother, but that's the best thing. And it was like, man, you know, you still it's been 17 years. And it's dope that I still get emotional because I know that the love is still right there and he's living within me. But when you talk about like, you know, racism within that community, my brother came out and say he came out in the eighties in the central district and he wasn't accepted there because he was gay. He went up there to Capitol Hill to that community and he wasn't accepted in the LGBTQ community in Capitol Hill because he was black. Yep. You know, um, and it still goes on out here. You know, I, I, I appreciate you and your family, because for the past, since I've been back home for five years, I work with, work with your mother, Reverend, Reverend Walden, as well as your brother. And every time, every year, when I see y'all throughout the summer, y'all always make sure that y'all big up your brother. It's like, it's as if his light is still around here. So tonight is definitely dedicated to his memory and de definitely dedicated to some of the other community members that we have lost to this space. But just watching y'all continue to shine as light is inspiring. So I really appreciate that. My mama said that my feet never touched the ground. <laughs> it was three, three years old and my brother carried me everywhere. My brother Hiram carried me everywhere. And man, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of this show. I'm glad that we finally got it on here. I'm thankful that you make me your, your first guest. And man, I can only imagine my brother. You know, I mean, you just, you just never know. And 17 years later on this platform here, I'm still able to uplift my brother's name. I'm thankful. <laughs> Hopefully, you got something to say. You gotta get the camera. Yeah, off. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, but it's really important. It's for. It's not just. It's it's so much more for our community. We have so many people that we've lost. Big shout out. Even before I begin, I won't be talking about them that much tonight. But thank you, Pocan. Pocan is the reason why Hello. I'm standing here today. I mean, when we look at all these organizations that talk about community outreach and I see the mayors doing the stuff about homelessness and how to do that. Who do you think had the blueprint for that when it came for black and brown people and Hello. they utilized them for these new grants? Pocan. So when I, I'm here, I'm speaking, I'm here for Miss Vicky. I'm here for the community members that help build Pocan. And I'm just I can't wait for tonight because it's going down. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. So that's tonight at eight o'clock, broadcasting live. And it looks like roles will be reversed tonight. Yeah. I'll be in the hot seat. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's that's what's up, man. And you know, like I said, it's always been and it always will be one love with that whole community. You know what I'm saying? With our community. Exactly. Yeah. 
That's what it is. Deontay Damper, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank right. you. We're going to take a quick break right now. Trey Holiday's going to hop on set, and we're going to wrap it up. You're watching the Morning Update Show. All right. Welcome back to the Morning Update Show. Um, we're a little bit over time. You got a few minutes for me, though? Of course I do. Right. Um, man, we've been together. This this journey has been over two years. You know what I'm saying? And um, I'm thankful for you. We done been through so many ups and downs together. And, you know, I was I was talking to uh, some reporters yesterday and I said that here because we're really community news who lives in the community, that we always carry an extra burden as well. And a lot of a lot of our colleagues at different stations and everything else, platforms that cover something but they're not going into the community. We, we, we report on, we report on um, things that happen in, in our community. You know, we report on people impacted by gun violence, but then we go to the store and we see the family or we know a friend of a friend or they went to school with whatever. And so then it's like, we're, we're consumed with it because even when we leave here, we go into community. And that impact still be there and it'll be real. And I just want to tell you that over two years and look at all the things that we've been through together. You know what I'm saying? Together. And I, I appreciate you, you know, and um, we were going to save this for for tomorrow, but I'm not on air tomorrow. And we'll let people know that um, June 3rd, is going to be the last episode of the morning update show. Um, you know, Trey holiday is always the one who I wanted to be on camera. I never, I never wanted to be on camera. We just knew though, March 19th, 2020, when governor Inslee, you know, everything was shut down. Media was essential. And like, man, we're essential. And we, we, we made our our pop up show, our morning update show, right? And we we went out there, and <laughs> someone got a good these days. Him and Vine, look at all these this equipment and everything else. Daryl Glover, D, DQ Glover showed up for community, and Carlos Imani, and you, and we went out there with this morning update show. And you know, I've been a radio guy my whole life. You know, I got a face for radio. I've been I've been a radio behind the scenes guy my whole life, and I never wanted to be on screen. I'm always best uplifting everybody else, but when our community needed us and our city needed us, we kept that show on air. The morning update show was only supposed to last for a few months, and then this date hit two years ago: the murder of George Floyd, and we stayed on it, and we've delivered and reported to the best we could. And whether it's an iPhone or one of these fancy cameras here, we showed up the best we could for our community. And so for me, it's time for me to exit stage right. And um, June 3rd or June 2nd, that Thursday or Friday, we'll figure it out. But basically next week, the morning update show, we're hanging it up and we got a new show coming. <laughs> the day with Trey. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, 
y'all know, you know, we have heard so many great things from people out there in community that this show has been so impactful. And I'm just so full of joy uh, with what this platform and this show has brought into my world. And I am going to miss you like crazy because there's nothing like having great energy in our relationship as co-hosts. You know, we take that out there in the community. I see you work so hard for all of us. And I'm so elated that we have bonded the way that we did. And y'all don't know this, but when I first met Omari, (laughs) I said, bro, just take me anywhere you're going. I'm following. And I meant that. And here we are two years later. um, I have been able to be um, a real witness to this man's brilliance and to his diligence and his hard work ethic. And I got to tell you, oh, there's nothing like the Morning Update show. I'm so thankful that we have all of these shows, all of these shows. And I'm excited about the day with Trey. Come on. I'm definitely excited about it. But I'm going to miss connecting with you. Thank you for bringing me on this ride with you for these two years. Man. Thank you. Thank you, Trey. I would say that, you know, very a lot of people they ain't never called, and when they are, they don't show up. And the best thing I can say is, man, we man, we showed up, and this is crazy because it's like a lot of different people, different communities, or whatever, and they're watching converge. We showed up for our community without fail. We showed up and we went on air. I said, man, we might only have two viewers, but we going to act like we got two million. And I said, I know for sure my mama and my daddy going to be watching. And the fact that you guys, you and Daryl Glover and Carlos Imani, Dirty Hands, you know what I'm saying? That early team of the Morning Update show is so committed. And we did something that, man, people probably thought it was impossible. Two years ago, if you give somebody some plan saying this is what we want to do, they laughed at us. But sometimes you just got to go and do it. And sometimes you just got to show up for your people. And, man, it took a hell of a beating the last two years. You know? Still, you know, I still got to get some kind of surgery from these protests. You know, I got injured there and the just mental strain. And at the end of the day, people who really know me, man, I'm a glass full person. I'm the optimist. I'm always looking for the positive situation. And that's what I look, I look forward to, you know, to getting, getting back to. And I'm excited to literally be behind the scenes of your new show. You know what I'm saying? Somebody put in the comments, they're like, Oh, what's going to happen with our news and information still around. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, Trey's got a, a great show that's coming in with June 6th, Monday, June 6th, the day with Trey. And you guys will be hearing all about it. Um, and I'm excited for you. You know what I'm saying? You've been a writer from day one. And like, man, this is this is your time. This is your space. And, you know, we're all here to get behind you and to uplift you. You know, your time is now. And I'm so appreciative of this entire team and of you uh, believing in me. I think uh, when we started making media early on, 
we just, it, it clicked, it worked. Our working relationship has been phenomenal. And I, you know, I got to say that I really am a real recipient of the brilliance um, and the the literal skills that you have honed overseas, everything that you bring to the table. I have just watched this guy just get on a whiteboard and just <laughs> bang it out like no other. And I got to say, the day with Trey, you guys, is going to be phenomenal. Uh, we will be doing news and information. We will be doing a lot of different topics around beauty and fashion, all the things that I love to bring to the table, as well as community. So it's definitely um, something so exciting for me in this next chapter of my life. And I'm so grateful to the entire Converge team for what they've been doing by behind the scenes. Y'all have no idea, but it's going to be lit. Oh, it's going to be lit. And I just thank you for believing in me and for giving me this opportunity to shine in that way. Thank you so much. Very welcome. And uh, see, we're eight minutes over, so we'll get out of here. But I would say this is the biggest thanks that I have to see all this out there. I mean, our community shows up. Don't ever let nobody tell you that we don't. Don't ever let nobody tell you that we don't care about what's happening in City Hall or this and that. You know, for a long time, our most watch shows wasn't even the morning update. It was all of our political analysis shows and budget shows and teaching people how the budget works and how legislation works and everything. We got such a community that loves and informed and information. Most importantly, though, you guys have just been supporters and Thank you. We said a lot of words, Trey, but any last words before we get out of here? I agree. I just want to say thank you to everyone. Of course, we're always saying for me, see yourself as a part of the solution. Clearly, Omari has done that. I will that you guys are inspired by all the things we're doing here at Converge and that you see yourself as a part of the solution. Appreciate all of you. All right. Good stuff. So um, I'm not here tomorrow. You got a full house tomorrow. Sorry, yeah. we don't have you up next, but what do you got tomorrow? Oh, yeah, I got uh, Ina Abby uh, with Tubman Center for Health and Freedom. Also, Andrea Capane will be here. They're talking about this Black Wellness Report. So I'm really interested to see how we dive into that. It's going to be a good show. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, as usual, want to remind you, go forward in your purpose. Go forward in your humanity till tomorrow at 11 a.m. Peace. Peace. What do I see through a lens of fear? A thousand little steps to go. What do I fear after all these years? Lord knows I don't even know. I've been running on the edge of a sundown, sleeping in the shadow. I've been begging you to see me, then hiding beyond the unreachable. Looking out left on a right-hand turn, just trying to
produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media. <laughs> 